0: What's up friends? Welcome to That's Not It podcast, where we talk all things health and well-being, fitness, business, and everything in between. I'm your host and naturopath, Jade McNeil. On today's episode, we are going to talk about a few supplements... And what to look for, how do you know if they're worth buying, what is it that you're actually buying, what's the difference between them all, what's the difference between shelf brand and practitioner brands and give you a little bit of an insight of what is actually in the products that you are buying and hopefully um, this podcast will be able to help you make a informed choice the next time you go out to buy your supplements i hope you like this episode i hope that you find it informative i think i'm gonna make this like a two-part video i mean episode because there's actually quite a lot to go through and i might do some further digging into some like prenatals and proteins if you have any suggestions please reach out and let me know but before we jump into today's episode just quickly If you would like to reach out and work with me, you can contact me via my email in the show notes. And if you want to book in a naturopathic consultation with me, you can do so via the link there as well. Okay, good morning, friends. This is the second time that I have recorded this podcast. (laughs) I was going to post it yesterday, so it's a day late. I apologize, but I just wasn't vibing it. I didn't like it. I wanted to clean it up a little bit. So anyway, so let's begin. Today, we're going to touch on only, like I said in the intro, just a few supplements. We're going to focus on vitamin D, fish oils, zinc, magnesium, and the difference between all of the the forms that you can get. And we're going to touch on a little bit of protein as well. But it's just going to give you like the information that I'll provide will give you a bit of a understanding that you can apply to any supplement that you're purchasing and the whole idea is just to bring awareness around what it is that's in that product and what to look for and where you can go to find that information. Unfortunately, through my research, it's really not as easy as just knowing the right ones to buy Um. There's a lot of stuff in the background that I discovered that aren't listed on the product itself. You have to go digging. So part of that, part of this journey led me to the TGA. So the TGA in Australia is the Therapeutic Goods Administration. They are a regulatory body for the Australian government and they are responsible for regulating all therapeutic goods for sale Um, within Australia so that includes medicines, vaccines, sunscreens, vitamins and minerals pretty much anything that has a um, like a health claim. So through the TGA a company must register their product and then supply a public analysis summary that is available for anyone to go onto the website and have a look at. So I would definitely encourage you to do that if you just want to have a little bit of a sticky beak like me and type in the name of the supplements that you already have in your home and have a look at the difference of what's provided to you on the actual product itself and then what's Actually, in it that you're not seeing. It's really cool. Um, it's really easy to do. You just go to the therapeutic goods administration and there's like a product search. And yeah, I would definitely encourage you to do that. So um so yeah, so the public analysis summary, so that goes on and it lists what the product is intended to do. And then the ingredients and then the excipients. So when we're looking to purchase supplements, there's a couple of things that we need to look for, essentially, okay? This is things that we need to consider. And they look like quality, effectiveness, bioavailability, and the excipients. Now, unfortunately for us, when we go into a health food shop, it is so overwhelming And how do we know any of these things? How are we going to know that? Well, (laughs) hopefully I can, it's a bit tough. Hopefully I can share with you little things that you can look for. But then that's why us as retail naturopaths, when you go into a health food store, Or if you're working alongside a practitioner, it takes the guesswork out of of it. And another thing to bear in mind as well is instead of going into a shop and buying all of these supplements that you don't really know if you need, you just think you do, please go and get a blood test. They are just the best way to stay on top of it. Then you have a record every year of what your levels are and you can literally pinpoint in your blood work specific times in your life that either you're having a rough time or you're really tired or you're really stressed out, low iron and it's, it's brilliant for you to look back on and compare your levels over the years. So for those of us in Australia who have access to a GP on Medicare, it's free. If you aren't going for routine blood tests, I would highly recommend you do at least once a year. And then if there's something deficient, then you need to be going every six months just to make sure that we're correcting those deficiencies. The problem is though as well, uh, GPs work off of wider therapeutic ranges or reference ranges of specific bloods than naturopaths. So I would encourage you to, if you do get your bloods done, ask for your own results back. They don't give it to you unless you ask. And if I was you, I would definitely be asking every single time. And that way you can come in and bring them in to a naturopath at a health food shop and just say, hey, can you have a quick look over this? My doctor said my irons all fine, but I can see here that it's really low. Like you might not be able to read blood tests that well, but it will tell you the reference range and where you're sitting and you'll get a pretty good idea of where you are within that range. If it's low, then you know that you need to do something about that. So that was a bit of a tangent but the point being is when we have our blood tests or when we are working with a healthcare professional, it takes the guesswork out of knowing what supplements you need to buy. Anyway, let's get back to the quality. So the quality, often with practitioner brands and shelf brands like when I say shelf brands I'm just going to refer to them as the ones that you can either purchase like literally just off the shelf yourself like you don't need a prescription or you need to talk to anyone so nine times out of ten the practitioner products are generally always of higher quality they're also more potent so that is why that, um, you know, you often will need some sort of a prescription or a healthcare practitioner to work with. So they need to monitor you. I think there could be like a little bit of a misconception that supplements can't harm you, which is just not the case at all, especially if you're just not quite sure and how they affect your body. The, uh, you know, like zinc, for example, if someone takes too much zinc, it'll throw out their copper. And then with that comes a whole host of problems, including premature greying of the hair. Did you know that? There we go. So if you were taking a lot of zinc over the last few months because of COVID and your hair has turned gray in what seems like overnight, I'd be having a look at your zinc and copper levels, boo. Anyway, so, yes, yeah, so the quality. So... um The quality also refers to things like minerals and vitamins and constituents that are in their purest form. They're not filled with uh, like excipients, for example, which we will get to in a moment. It also includes like the manufacturing process as well which then leads to the effectiveness so the potent of it the excipients and the manufacturing process will all lead to the effectiveness And then also the bioavailability, which pretty much just means like the bioavailability means how accessible that supplement is once it's broken down within the body, how much of that is actually being absorbed. So with the problem with multivitamins is there's so many nutrients that you're getting at once, not all of them can be absorbed because sometimes we use the same receptor to process two different minerals for example but if we're getting them at the same time and they're competing either one of them's not getting in or we're not getting the full dose of either so yeah I am a little bit on the fence with multivitamins these days I really don't agree with them I don't think they're really doing much for you at all Uh, as well like maybe like a multi b vitamin because it's just B's and they're all water soluble Or, yeah, anyway. Um, So the effectiveness will then also depend on how you're taking that supplement and what form it's in, whether that be a capsule, a tablet, a liposomal or a powder. So all of that will contribute to how much of the vitamin you're actually absorbing. A little hint, if you can get anything in a powdered form or a liposomal, some things just don't, won't come in powders or liposomals. However, things like vitamin C, for example, or a magnesium, if you can, and you can tolerate them always choose the liquid form that person will see or the powdered form of the magnesium it just makes our uh, body work less to absorb and you're absorbing more of the product as well as they're generally filled less with excipients then moving into the excipients so I found this really quite shocking. It's needed, it's necessary to, you know, for example, to make a tablet, you have to have those excipients in there. When you make a capsule, you like a soft gel capsule, you need those excipients in there. So when I'm referring to excipients, think of things like gelatin to make the capsules or glycerol for like a binding of the tablet, things like that. Um, but there's unfortunately quite a few more sinister ingredients that are used within the pharmaceutical industry that now research is coming out that they're actually quite concerning. So excipients selected for product formulation vary across the industry. The role of the excipient, um, however, should be considered, right? So... The number of pharmaceutical excipients are known to have side effects or contraindications. For example, one formulation, one capsule, one product may be filled with up to 90% of excipia- excipients. Sorry. And they can be either synthetic or sourced from plants or animals depending on the medication like i just mentioned with when the supplement type they could be nil or low and which is generally found in those powders and capsules that i was talking about so each excipient does serve a specific pur- uh, purpose and depending on that it will determine the performance of the supplement but form does matter now we are going to talk about um vitamin D really quickly and I'll give you a bit of a comparison of how superior practitioner brands are compared to the shelf brands. I just realized how croaky my voice is this morning. Not quite sure what's going on. Hopefully it's not annoying. Anyway, so the vitamin D, I'm not going to name the name of them because I don't know if I can and I don't, don't really feel like being sued. So I'm just going to refer to them as a like shelf brand or a retail brand. Actually, I'll just refer to it as a shelf brand and then a practitioner brand. So a particular shelf brand is formulated it's vitamin d3 it has a thousand international units the practitioner brand is exactly the same it's a d3 it also has a thousand international units they both have the same amount of vitamin d in it the difference is purely the excipients so the shelf brand has gelatin glycerol iron oxide black iron oxide red vitamin E oil, purified water, and soya oil. The practitioner brand has vitamin E, gelatin, glycerol, purified water, rice bran oil, and vegetable oil. Now, to you, nothing in that nature, nothing in that um, ingredients, rather, may stand out to you however I was curious as to what iron oxide black is you might like I don't know maybe to the untrained person they might see the iron and be like oh it's just iron that is not at all the case and then the oils I did a little bit of research on the soya oil I found some conflicting evidence it's really quite hard to find proper um, evidence around the like the oils and it comes down to how they're processed. So, soya oil is generally processed at extreme heats. So, any nutrient value that often comes with soya oil is obsolete and actually the heat will denature the, um, what are they called, like the particles, I suppose, and that's when they become a problem within the body. They become free radicals because they are damaged, right? Um, and I'm not too sure how that goes for rice bran oil and vegetable oil. I probably, I didn't do enough research on that, but I I will get back to you on that one. Anyway, the main cause for concern here is the shelf brand, how it has iron oxide red and iron oxide black. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know what that is. I want to read about that. Let me tell you what it is. So iron oxide black and red are a inexpensive inexpensive oh god, I cannot can't get the words out today, Jade. Are uh, inexpensive and durable pigments that are found in paint coatings and coloured concretes. When it is used as a food colouring, it has the number one seven two with the E in front of it. So E172 is the food grade code for iron oxide, black and red. What it is, they are filled with, it's a nano-sized particle. Now, the problem lies within the body trying to metabolize these nano-sized particles. So research is now finding that these nanoparticles are actually accumulating in several organs within the body rather than being metabolized. And from that, we're then starting to see things like gastrotoxicity, hepatotoxicity and alterations to the gut microbiota. So that's a problem, right? That's actually quite a serious problem. Like You're trying to increase the status of your health by supplementing with vitamins and minerals however what's included in them can essentially damage your organs (laughs) like that's wild right and the only way that I found out that information was through that TGA public summary analysis that I spoke about it's not listed on the product itself. So, yeah, bear in mind <laughs> those supplements that your favorite influencer is blasting all over social media and is claiming that they're amazing. Mm. Go onto the TGA and have a good look what's actually in it because it's actually quite shocking. So, the practitioner-only brand, I mean, there really wasn't a lot in there that stood out to me. Like, gelatin is gelatin. Uh, The WHO has even ruled out that the gelatin within the capsule process has been transformed to such an extent from its original source that people with religious and dietary restrictions should be able to take that. But, I mean you do you boo if that's sits right with you then go for it uh and glycerol that's just a it is a preservative it is a like low gi sweetener um and they use it as like an alternative to ethanol you'll find glycerol in a lot of things um but yeah so anyway so see what i mean that's just like a little brief kind of snippet there i want to move on to um fish oils because this one was really quite cool and I have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about fish oils now that I kind of know what I know so I personally feel this one's super important so things to look for when considering a good quality fish oil what makes a good quality fish oil so we want a company that has third-party proof of analysis freshness their manufacturing methods their science methods their dosage if they partake in sustainable fishing practices, what the taste is, and also the colour. So for this one, I will name drop because it's not a bad thing. And from what I have found so far, I mean there's hundreds of fish oils on the market, but for the ones that I have been exposed to and I've done my own digging on, Nordic Naturals is by far in my opinion, the most superior fish oil that we have on the market because they tick all of the boxes for all of the things that I just listed there. And if you can go onto their actual website and uh, you can type in like the batch number of the product that you own and it will show you the third-party independent testing result PDF with all of the information on it that is readily available to the public. And I love that. They also have um, the accurate dosage with the balance between EPA and DHA, which by the way, you need to look for something like a maintenance daily dose would be 500 milligrams. So often that might involve taking um, like three capsules. Usually the dosage with fish oils can be quite large. Like, you know, it will be like three capsules once a day or twice a day. However, alternatively, you can get the like just the liquid and therefore it might only be like half a teaspoon to a teaspoon to get the same equivalent to the three capsules. But I know everyone, most people are a little bit iffy about taking the oil. Um, but then that's another thing that I like about Nordic Naturals is the it's purer, the pure purity also presents itself with this beautiful like light almost light translucent yellow that is what a real fish oil should look like it shouldn't be dark orange it shouldn't be really dark yellow it shouldn't have a fishy smell it definitely should not give you any heartburn or any after fishy aftertaste Uh, often that'll mean that the oils are rancid and poor manufacturing methods really so, um, yeah, so Nordic Naturals are fantastic for that. They also have a very strong sustainable practice method and they're extremely transparent with that. And they also work with the communities that they, f- that they uh, fish from. So two that I will compare with is, again, a really common um, shelf brand. And then, well, in saying that, Nordic Naturals is a shelf brand as well. The difference is the price. I know, so shelf brand number one is I think from memory it's like $29.95 for like 250 capsules or something like that, which is like you see that and you're like, oh my god, that is amazing. It's the best fish oil price literally on the market. And then you go to Nordic Naturals and it's $95 for 90 capsules. So that is the kind of that is something that you do pay for you but you're paying for really good quality and everything that else comes with it, the sustainability, the manufacturing process, the third-party testing. I actually contacted shelf brand number one and asked for their um, testing analysis on their fish oil and they never got back to me. So mm, I won't be buying, well, I wouldn't buy it anyway, but you know, you vote with your dollar. So, so yeah, bye, this. Okay, so the shelf brand number one is, um, it's got one gram of fish oil. It has vitamin E, yeah, vitamin E, gelatin, glycerol, purified water and soya oil again. The Nordic Naturals has the fish oil, the gelatin, the glycerol, it has lemon oil mixed with a vitamin E, which is often used as a carrier oil to help with absorption, purified water, rosemary oil, and sunflower oil. The only downside to the TGA public analysis is that it doesn't require these companies to tell you how much of these ingredients is actually in there. So other than the main ingredient itself, that that is required. However, like the excipients, for example, like it won't tell me how much of the the soya oil is actually found in a capsule or how much of the rosemary oil. So it could be as little or as much, and I'm not too sure. So to summarise, fish oils, just because they're cheap, and you know it's a bargain you get like a whole bunch for a small amount of money I'd probably stay clear of those brands we want to look for companies that are sustainable in their fishing practices work with the community have transparent third-party testing that's also really important we don't want them to do their own testing because that creates bias we want third-party analysis testing Uh, we want freshness purity and the color as well Obviously, you're not going to know any of those half of those things because you can't open the bottle to have a look. But that is why you talk to a healthcare practitioner or do a little bit of research before you go out and spend money on it, which I know like half of you, you know, we're all busy. We might not have the time, but really like I would rather sit there and spend half an hour reading about something that I'm potentially going to go spend my money on and you know, I wouldn't want to spend $30 on a shit product. I'd rather spend $90 on something that I'm actually getting benefit from. You know what I mean? And you're not going to know that unless you just spend a little bit of time reading about the company or coming to ask me. Okay we're well moving on to zinc. So zinc I'm just going to touch on the different forms of zinc because I think that's what can be really quite confusing and you go in and there's all these different brands and bottles and the names and you're like isn't zinc zinc? Yes it is essentially but it also depends on how it's been processed and what they've attached to that zinc to increase absorption. So on my notes here, I kind of had like spills about every type of zinc and what it does. And this is what, I, what I, I read through that on the first podcast. And I was like, you know what, it's way too much. It's too confusing. I'm pretty much just going to tell you the zincs to stay away from and the zincs that you should consider purchasing. So zinc orotate is the first one that um, I would consider purchasing. So all that means is that it's a zinc, like a particle, that's been attached to orotic acid. So this increases the absorption through our cells. And uh, it allows them to pass through the membranes easily, therefore increasing the, t- the like, tissue concentrations of zinc. So, with that, the orotic acid is also um, quite high in antioxidants. And yeah, so zinc orotate I would stick with. And also, the next one would be zinc picolinate. That is probably going to be the most common one that you find within the stores. The only difference that you'll often find with the picolinates is the dosage. And, like, you know, often they'll be right next to each other. One's got 22 milligrams and one's got 50 milligrams. The difference being is 50 milligrams would be good if you are actively zinc deficient, the, you know, 22 milligrams or 30 milligrams would be for a maintenance dose higher is not always better if you're not zinc deficient and you're like smashing 50 milligrams of zinc then you can start to cause a deficiency in copper the only problem is some of you might not know the signs of zinc deficiency so i would start off low um before working my way up to a 50 milligrams if you really need it but you really shouldn't um So while we're on that subject, things that – like deficiency signs of zinc may be – well, the first one that we always look for in our physical examination in the clinic is white spots on the nails. It is a dead giveaway. Sometimes it can remain calcium. More often or not, though, it's zinc because anyone that I have had in the clinic who has white spots on their nails, I will then take them to do a zinc tally test and they can't taste anything. So – That is zinc. Uh, It could be things like skin conditions, rashes and dermatitis, especially the ones that aren't going away. Behavioral changes, hair loss. Hair loss is a big one, especially in women. Like when you get in the shower and you wash your hair and you're having clumps of hair fall out, like just by running your fingers through it zinc look at your zinc i mean there's lots of things that can that can cause hair loss hair loss is quite tricky um but you know instead of going straight to the more sinister things like thyroid um and like pcos and stuff like that we need to look at you know simple interventions like zinc first um other deficiency signs include things like loss of taste and smell impaired fertility and um like poor wound healing and impaired growth if you think you have a zinc deficiency, again, like I keep saying, come into a health food shop with a naturopath and um, have a quick chat and they will be able to ask you a few questions. So just to summarize very quickly, zinc orotate, zinc picolinate are fine. Stick to your lower doses first you don't need to go all in with the 50 milligrams and do not take more than what the bottle says like i said zinc can be really toxic in highly high doses uh it can actually be quite dangerous and it can throw out the very fine balance between zinc and copper uh okay and then magnesium. So magnesium again comes in many different forms, depending on what you're needing the magnesium for. Would be would depend on what type would be better suited for you. For example, um, someone who suffers suffers from constipation, as well as you know muscle cramps and is highly strung and stressed out, would benefit from magnesium citrate. That is because the citrate form acts as a laxative. So it uh, brings you know water to the bowels. It cleans out your intestines. And they'll, they'll often actually use magnesium citrate before like colonoscopies and surgeries. Um, and it's really quite effective. So if you're someone who suffers from constipation, get on the magnesium citrate. Again, you do not need to just smash, you know, just stick to your your dosage requirements you don't need to go higher than what's recommended because you know oh yeah no just stick to the recommended dosage it's fine uh magnesium glycinate so magnesium glycinate you'll find in a lot of practitioner brands it'll be the the brand uh, sorry the form of choice there are some brilliant um on-the-shelf brands that also contain Magnesium Glycinate, you'll often find most Magnesium supplements will have several of these forms uh, in the one capsule just to kind of target a little bit of everything. So like, for example, Fusion do a fantastic one's Magnesium Advanced and that has the Citrate, the Glycinate and I think there's like Orotate in there or yeah, um, but Magnesium Glycinate is the one that would benefit most people because it is like less aggravating on the bowel so it won't upset a lot of people's stomachs Uh, and the benefits come that come with this particular uh, form is we you know it helps with maintaining healthy bone density helps relieve anxiety relieve symptoms of PMS decreases the abnormal heart rhythms improves sleep quality Calming has a calming effect on the brain, helps control blood sugar, and also potentially decreases the risk of developing diabetes. Um, And then next up, we have magnesium malate. This is a combination of magnesium and malic acid. Uh, The benefits of that include exercise performance, controlling blood sugar, and decreasing chronic pain. So that one would be fantastic for like uh, athletes, um, you know, people with intense workouts who may experience DOMS, uh, things like osteoarthritis or pain and swelling in the joints, things like that. All right. So there are uh, there are many others um, There's actually several different types of magnesium. It can be quite overwhelming, but I'm just going to stick to the ones that I would suggest if you were going to go out and buy, then that would be the one. So what did I say? Magnesium citrate, magnesium glycinate, magnesium malate, and then orotate is in there as well, which is mostly treated for magnesium deficiencies and again, to help improve athletic endurance. So you have four there to choose from. Okay. Lastly, I'm just going to touch in on proteins. I think I was going to go more in depth, but I really think this needs a whole entire podcast because the more I researched, I was like, oh my God, like I can't just summarize this in like 10 minutes, but things that we need to look for when we're shopping for protein, which is really sad because so many influencers and so many recommendations online, uh, you know, we see plastered all over social media all the time and they you know they bribe us with their delicious flavors that they get but they're full of shit and then the ones that aren't full of shit taste like us so I know it is a never-ending battle to find the perfect protein that is not full of heavy metals and toxins and natural flavors but also tastes good but Things we need to look for and try and avoid is artificial dyes, gums, so that things looks like um, guar gums, for example, uh, synthetic vitamins, synthetic sugars, fillers, natural flavors and pesticides and heavy metals. Now, of course, they're not going to list pesticides and particularly heavy metals on their packaging. So that's when, again, we need to contact the company and say, do you test for heavy metals? If you do, can you please share with me your test results? The companies that are forthcoming with that information get a big green tick in my eyes. The ones that don't, which I know of one very popular um brand here within australia that um refuses to give that information out which is really sad because it's probably one of the most popular ones that i see all over my social media being um, advertised by influencers is full of heavy metals proteins in particular are probably one of the most um what should i say one of the largest products that are contaminated with heavy metals which um yeah it's quite interesting and a bit of a shame anyway I'm gonna leave that there hopefully this sounds okay I'm not gonna edit it too much because I just want to get it out for you guys let me know what you thought what you thought um, And yeah, I think I might dive into some other things like prenatals because, again, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about prenatals because there's always that one that everyone suggests the moment that you get pregnant is go on, well, make sure you're taking this one, starts with an E, and it's full of crap. And I think more people need to know that. So <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I'm going to leave this there. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. I'm so sorry for my croaky voice. But anyway, it is what it is, sis. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.